And speaking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayerful attention to Isaiah chapter 42. The chapter that we read, Isaiah 42, and reading for our text, verse 16. Verse 16. And I will bring the blind by a way that they knew not. I will lead them in paths that they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked things straight. These things will I do unto them and not forsake them. Isaiah 42, verse 16. The prophecy of Isaiah in many ways is the gospel in the Old Testament. And in these chapters, there's the prophecies and speaking to the time that the Lord will bless the Gentiles. We are told very clearly in verse 1 of this chapter, he shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. And the servants that are spoken of in this chapter, the first is that of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, his elect, the one whom God has put his spirit in, truly God and truly man, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus Christ, Emmanuel God with us. And he it is that's spoken of in the first place of that which he will do and that which he will accomplish in the gathering in of the Gentiles. But then there's another servant also that is spoken of here, and that is in verse 19, who is blind but my servant, or deaf as my messenger that I sent. And we would remember that when our Lord came, he came unto his own. He came unto the Jews. The seed of Abraham and the Jewish nation was the servant of the Lord to bring forth the seed of the woman that should bruise the serpent's head. That was the nation chosen. And we see the line from in Matthew chapter 1 from Abraham right through to David, 14 generations, from David to the carrying away into Babylon, 14 generations, and then from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ, 14 generations. And in Luke, we have it going right back from Mary, the mother of our Lord, right back to Adam and to God. And it is through the nation of the Jews. But when our Lord came, his nation did not receive him. They, as it were, were blind. They could not see that Jesus of Nazareth was the Saviour, was the promised Messiah. There were those that could indeed do so. Paul, he says in his epistles, he says that blindness in part has happened unto Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles is brought in and it is a judicial blindness that the people of the Jews, God's own people, are blinded not to be able to see. They knew not the day of their visitation 
And yet the Lord came to them, and from them he went to the Gentiles. And really, as Gentiles, it's a wonderful thing to see it prophesied that the word is to come to us, and very clearly set forth in Paul's epistles to the Ephesians. And also, it explains the thing that could be a real difficulty to think, well, if this truly is the Christ, if Jesus is, why did not his own people receive him? Why could they not see? Why is it that they have rejected him? And the scriptures, the prophecies foretell of this as to uh, how it should be and why it should be. When our Lord was on the earth, he worked many miracles, and one of those miracles was to give sight to the man that had been born blind, recorded in John chapter 9. It was a literal miracle of giving a man that could not see his sight. The Jews, they thought that there was some reason, some sin in him or his parents why he was born blind. But our Lord said that it was not for any of those thoughts, though every man, woman and child is a sinner, but it was that the glory of God might be manifest in him. A man that was of age, and all those years of his life he lived blind, waiting for this time that Jesus of Nazareth should give him his sight as a miracle to show forth that Jesus was and is the true Messiah, the true Son of God. The Lord revealed himself to that blind man afterwards. The Jews, they had cast him out because of what he testified of Jesus that he was of God. They said that we are Moses' disciple, uh, they are this fellow's disciple. We know that God spake unto Moses, as for this fellow we know not from whence he is. And the man answered, said unto them, Why herein is a marvellous thing, that ye know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshipper of God, and doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. And they cast him out. The Lord then revealed himself to him. He asked him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And then the Lord told him, He said, He that talketh with thee am he. And he worshipped him. And then he said this, And the Jews were round about, and they were listening uh, to him, Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world, that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. So then the Pharisees, some of the Pharisees which were with him, heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? Jesus said unto them, If ye were blind, ye should have no sin. But now ye say we see, therefore your sin remaineth. And so we know that the blindness that is spoken of in our text and also 
that spoken of in the following chapter, chapter 43 and verse 8, bring forth the blind people that have eyes and the deaf that have ears. A people that are literally seeing and literally hearing and yet spiritually they are blind and they cannot see what they really are seeing. They cannot understand spiritual things at all. So I want to look this this evening because this word that is before us, it is a, it is a wonderful promise. I will bring the blind by a way that they knew not. I will lead them in paths that they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked things strain. These things will I do unto them and not forsake them. So I want to look at three points. Firstly, the blind in the text to think more upon what it is of the condition, the characters that are spoken of in the text here. And then secondly, what the Lord will do for them. That is clearly told in this verse, what the Lord will do for them. And then in the last part, it's what he will not do unto them. These things will I do unto them and not forsake them. The first thing is the blind that are in the text. By nature, part of the fall and part of the sentence that God has enacted upon the human race is spiritual blindness. We were made in the image of God and had communion with God and fellowship with God and God gave the command to not eat of the tree in the midst of the garden or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And when our first parents rebelled and disobeyed, they did most certainly die. And in that day, dying thou shalt die. Literal death, well for Adam some 900 years later, but spiritual death immediately. Fearful of meeting with the Lord when they heard his voice in the garden, and then banished from the garden, still made in the image of God, still over the natural kingdom, though every beast that rises up against man testifies of the fall, and the earth in bringing forth its thorns and thistles also, and the sweat of our brow labouring bears witness also to the judicial judgment God has put upon man. But that judgment is also a spiritual blindness and a deadness. Paul speaks of it when he writes to the Corinthians and he says that in the wisdom of God that man by wisdom should not be able to know God. Man can do many wonderful things in engineering, electronics, in Medicine, in many things, God has given him wonderful skill, wonderful perception, and to see and to understand many things. But to know God and to understand God, he cannot. A veil is upon their hearts. 
And Paul says that it has pleased God through the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. It needs the Lord's servant. It needs the Lord Jesus Christ to come. It needs his servants to preach the word. It needs the Holy Spirit to shine on dark, benighted minds and hearts to give them the light of knowledge and to open up to them the Lord. Make them to see what they cannot see by nature. We are dead in trespasses and sins and the dead know not anything. And we read, or Paul says to the Corinthians, of those that are lost, that the God of this world hath blinded them that are lost, that go after the things of this world. The Gentiles are still walking in the lust of the flesh and desires of the mind, the blindness of their hearts, Paul says, of the Ephesians, and that those that are converted are not to walk in that same way and following them. So it is a, a spiritual blindness that all are under, and the only hope, the only message of the gospel is that which is here, that it is the Lord himself that shall open those eyes, open those that are blind, cause them to see what they cannot see by nature. I pass by thee when thou wast in thy blood, and when thou wast in thy blood I bid thee live. Is that time when the Lord gives life? I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of mine hand. And the many words that describe that new birth, the first conversion, uh, a passing from death unto life, uh, that change, that vital change, is wrought by God. Ye must be born again. And it is in that that the eyes are open spiritually, the ears are open spiritually, an appetite is given for the word. One of the great evidences of those eyes opened is to really see what we are by nature. We read about the Jews asking the Lord, are we blind also? They did not know. The Lord said to them, that because they said that they saw and yet were calling the Lord a, a devil and speaking against him, casting out his people, because they were testifying, they were religious people. They were people that were the leaders of their uh, order in that day. They testified that they saw and yet they were not seeing the Lord. They weren't. They weren't seeing the truth. They were blinded. They were blinded, shut up under the law, a judicial blindness. But it is the Lord that only is able to do this. And this is the wonderful promise of the text. You might say that those that are really in need of it, those that are dead in trespasses and sins, will not feel their need of this promise. They won't see any beauty in it because they don't see and feel their need of it. 
But it is a wonderful promise, especially to those who do know the Lord, when they think of unconverted relatives, those round about, those that at present uh, have, exhibit no desire for the things of God whatsoever and are completely blind. You can talk and talk to them and they cannot see. But we have set before us who can make them see and who will open their eyes. But this then is a promise, beautiful promise, to those who do feel their blindness, who because the Lord has shown them their sinnership, shown them their distance from the Lord, shown them how little they know of the gospel, of the things of God, then to have a promise that the Lord would open their eyes. The psalmist takes this up and he says, Open thou mine eyes, that I might behold wondrous things out of thy law. And the disciples, when they heard the parables, they went and asked the Lord, interpret to us these parables. The Lord says, Dost thou not know them? Do you not know? Are you no better than those that are just going their way? They weren't, but they asked of the Lord, interpret it, show us, show us this parable, explain it to us. And so when we are brought to feel our blindness, then this is a great promise to us. We think in a natural way, we have a couple of men that are blind in our town, often we see them walking around and they're glad to have a a hand lent them to cross the road and we can see uh, what a trial in a way it is to them and I think many of us take for granted our sight and what a wonderful thing it is to have natural sight but how vital to have spiritual sight and so it is when we feel our need of that, this is the promise for it. We think of it also in way of providence and in our lives. Sometimes, like dear Jacob, we cannot see what the Lord is doing for us. He'd had Joseph taken from him. Benjamin was required to go up into Egypt. Simeon was locked up in prison. And he said, all these things are against me. And he couldn't see the way, he couldn't see what the Lord was doing at all. And it may be so with us and in our lives that we cannot see and we don't know which way to go or which way to turn. And in that again we have the promise, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go, I will guide thee with mine eye. And it shall be the Lord that shall be the one that sees the eyes of the people of God. When the children of Israel went through the wilderness, then the fiery cloudy pillar went before them. And that chose out the place where they would stay, where they would make their camp. And with you and I, he hath set the bounds of our habitation, where we shall set our camp, where we shall stay, Children of Israel sometimes stayed a long while in one place, sometimes a very short while, and it was the Lord that determined how long they stayed in each place. And so it can be a promise again that it is applying to all of our lives and to 
the way that the Lord would lead his people. He says in John 10, As a good shepherd, he putteth forth his sheep, he goeth before them, he leadeth them out and goeth before them. So the blind in the text, we may ask ourselves, because those that never have had sight, those that are blind spiritually, like the Jews, did not know that they were blind. But as soon as the Lord begins and he gives light, then they feel their lack of sight, their lack of understanding, their blindness. Then there will be that hunger, that thirst, that desire for the things of God. So I want to look secondly at what the Lord will do for them because that again highlights what they need doing for them. The first thing, he will bring them by a way that they knew not. The Jews again, they knew the way of Moses and this is by nature we are under the law which is a way of works, a way of earning our way to heaven. Paul says in Romans 10 of his own countrymen that had a zeal for God but not according to knowledge. They being ignorant of God's righteousness were going about to establish their own. But when the Lord begins, he begins in the way that Paul says to the Ephesians, by grace ye are saved through faith that not of yourselves it is the gift of God. And that way that they knew not is a way of the gospel, it is a way of God's grace and mercy. In a way, the Lord telling the parable of the publican and the Pharisee in the temple illustrates those two ways. The Pharisee was speaking of his good works and everything that he did that he thought recommended himself unto God. The publican beat upon his breast, God be merciful to me a sinner. Now the Apostle Paul, saw as he was, was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. But when the Lord met with him, the Lord brought him to be like the publican seeking for mercy. It was a way that he knew not. At first he was persecuting the Lord Jesus Christ. But the Lord brought him by his grace, met with him on the Damascus road, turned him about and brought him to preach the very same way that he had sought to undermine and to destroy. And the Apostle Paul would say that he had been partaker of this promise, that he was blind and he'd been brought by a way that he knew not. Then we have in the next place, I will lead them in paths that they have not known. All the paths of the Lord, they are righteousness, they are peace, they are paths of the gospel, paths of the grace of God. How many different ways those paths, they're paths of holiness, paths of righteousness, not of our own, but of the Lord Jesus Christ. They are paths that are paths through the word of God, that direct our people to the precious blood and wounds of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. A path that leads to redemption, a path 
that shows Abel's sacrifice and not Cain's. Not the fruit of the field, but the fruit of blood. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And it's leading through in paths as well of tribulation. If needs be, ye must, through much tribulation, enter the kingdom of God. It's walking in the path of prayer. The Apostle Paul found that very soon. It was said to Ananias, Behold, he prayeth. A path, you might say, well, the Pharisees, they've made long prayers. He knew that path before. Uh, his prayers would have been very, very different as a poor, broken-hearted sinner pleading for mercy through our Lord Jesus Christ. And he'd be leading through those paths of the Word of God. Our Lord did that with the two on the way to Emmaus. He took them through all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he opened up in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. That sermon, that path, they no doubt read the scriptures many times, but never traced the path of a dear redeemer right through them. The path that they had not known. The eunuch, as Philip was sent to him, was reading Isaiah 4.53. He said, Of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or some other man? He was blind. He could not see who was being spoken of here in just a few chapters on from where our text is. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all. Philip, he began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Now, dear man, he walked then the path of hearing, receiving the word, blessed under the priest's word, seeing the Lord Jesus Christ in those Old Testament scriptures and was baptised on profession of his faith. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And so the Lord leads in paths and it is his choosing what he decides. When our children go to school and they start off in the young classes, it is the teacher that decides what they're going to learn next and how they're going to learn it. And it is the Lord that fulfills that wonderful promise. All thy children shall be taught of the Lord. Great shall be the peace of thy children. And this is part of the teaching they're leading them in paths they have not known. Paths of chastising. In Hebrews 12, we read that he chasteneth every son whom he receiveth. The Lord deals with his people and corrects them in measure but in love. He said, I will make darkness light before them. We spoke of Jacob, how dark was his path and the promise that that dark path will be turned to light. We think again of the children of Israel through the wilderness. 
The cloud over the tabernacle was light in the darkness, gave light to them that they would know the way that they should go. Many times in the life of a Christian, these contrasts are known. A way that they have not known and they are to walk in it. A dark path made light and then a crooked path made straight. These contrasts, these things that at first don't lie straight, seem to be very strange, seem to be uh, an unknown way. They are an unknown way. And yet the Lord leads and teaches and instructs in that way and brings them to a saving knowledge of his beloved Son, to trust solely in his death, to trust in the redemption that he has accomplished and to look to him for life. No man can keep alive his own soul. It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again and sitteth on the right hand of God. In him, says Paul, we live and move and have our being. There's no life outside of Christ. Paul says, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall also we appear with him. And what a picture for the people of God is to interpret and show them something of the way when the Lord begins with them, that they shall be a led people, they shall be a people that do know darkness in their souls, darkness on their path, but the Lord shines the light of his word and light into their souls. They shall be people that have crooked things, things that do not add up, trials, sicknesses, afflictions, disappointments, sorrows, things that would be a stumbling block to them. And yet those things are made straight. Why with dear Jacob again, how straight that was made for him when Joseph was standing before him and Joseph was able to say that God sent me before you to preserve you and your lives by great deliverance. The Lord has things that he will do for his people. And may we be of those who have those things that we cannot do for ourselves and spiritually we can't. To be able to look and see that there are those things the Lord has done for us He's done for us in grace. He's done for us in opening our eyes to the truth, opening our eyes to our need of a saviour, opening our eyes to the need of the Lord's teaching ourselves, opening our eyes to the need of being guided in providence as well as in grace, and opening our eyes to the beauties and glories of Emmanuel our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Peter says, Unto you which believe, he is precious. And yet when we read in Isaiah 53 here, the beginning of the chapter, that he is a root out of dry ground. There's no form nor comeliness that we should desire him. And that is how it is by nature. But when the eyes are open, then... He is altogether lovely and beautiful to the soul. 
Blessed are the eyes that see him. Blessed are the ears that hear his voice. So there are those things that the Lord does for his people. Many today will be telling what they are doing for the Lord. And indeed it is right that the Lord's people should show forth the praises of him who hath called them out of nature's darkness and brought them into his marvellous light. But right the way through their lives, their glory, their beauty is, is what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for them at Calvary, what he is doing for them here below. Paul says, what I am, I am by the grace of God. When he has a trial in the flesh, a thorn in the flesh, he was given the Lord's promise, my grace is sufficient for thee, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Our Lord tells his disciples, in me ye shall have peace, in the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And all the time is what the Lord is doing for a poor and a needy people, a people that in themselves are blind, a people that are dependent upon the Lord to give them sight and understanding and wisdom and direction and guidance. And such will not mistake the way. It is a narrow way and the Lord will bring forth his people by the right way that they might go unto a city of habitation. So may we be of those that can say, that the Lord had done great things for us, whereof we are glad. That we are able to see and be able to say, with dear David, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That it is he that has led me beside the still waters. It is he that has led me beside and in the green pastures. It is he that has made the cup overrun and flow over and all the crown and all the glory is on the head of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says of his fullness have all we received grace for grace. The Apostle John speaks of it in that way and Paul he says to the Colossians that it hath pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. So what the Lord will do for them, and we may really ask ourselves, has the Lord done anything for us? And do we look to the Lord to appear for us and to do for us and prove constantly that we need the Lord to lead us in these paths and to cause us to know the way wherein we should walk. Now, I want to look at our last point and what he will not do, and that is not forsake them and leave them. And there's several reasons why this is so, why this is part of the promise. Because when the Lord gives grace and when he opens the eyes Really, it is only those that ever know that they are sinners, that are ever really conscious of what they are in the sight of a holy God. They know that if the Lord were to mark their iniquity, he would cast them away. They know what their sins deserve. They know that they are sinners, they have sinned. 
And so they need such a reassurance that he will not forsake them. He mentioned chastening, the path of chastening before in Hebrews 12. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous but grievous. Nevertheless afterward yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness to them that are exercised thereby. And he says this, that instead of casting away his people because of their sin, because of the things they've done, he'll correct them as a heavenly father. He'll warn them by his word. He'll correct them in providence. He will bring them back again into the right way. And that is a blessed mark of sonship, mark of being a child of God. In Proverbs we read, a child left to itself bringeth its mother to shame. God does not leave his people to themselves. We've only got to go back to Israel of old. How often the Lord chastened them through the wilderness, in the promised land, brought them into captivity, into Babylon, other captivities as well, and then brought them out and delivered them and used even other nations to correct them. So the assurance is needed and not forsake them. Another reason is because of the need constantly of being led, feeling our need day by day. Lord, teach me what I should do, where I should go, how I should act. Give me wisdom, direction, and to have such an assurance that the Lord will not forsake us. Another reason is because of all people on the earth, it is those who have their eyes open that know what the worth of a soul is. They know what heaven is, they know what hell is. They know what it is if they are to be lost forever. And they know that their salvation hangs upon the Lord. Beautiful name, his name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save them from their sins. And so to have the assurance when they know the worth of that set before us in heaven and that inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, we do not want the Lord to forsake us. And the Lord says in John uh, 10 that no man is able to pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than I. No man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. And so they give that assurance. Maybe we need it this evening. And one of you need this assurance that the Lord will not forsake you. That though you try him, though you go against his word often, yet he will not forsake you. He is faithful. He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. He will not forsake the work of his own hands. Has he once opened your eyes? Has he once led you? Has he once made something crooked straight? Then these things are what he has done. And he will continue to do them. And he will do them and not forsake you. So may this be an encouragement. May it be a help to us in the way, an encouragement to us when we think of those who know not the Lord. Help us in our prayers to pray for the light of the Lord's countenance, that our eyes be opened and that the eyes of loved ones be opened as well.
Was it not Tyndale that when he was being martyred prayed, Lord, open the king of England's eyes? King of England, Henry VIII, and ere long that answer was given and the Reformation in England, you might say, began or continued on. But what a change it makes when the Lord opens eyes and may we know it personally and bless the Lord for it. The Lord then be pleased to add his blessing. Amen.